You're listening to Moving Forward with Dr. Lynn Swanner. Today's podcast is part of the Flourishing Leaders series, where we explore ways to transform your school community. This podcast is a production of the Association of Christian Schools International. Listen and learn more about flourishing at blog.acsi.org. Well, today I want to welcome a really good friend uh, who also lives on the East Coast with me, and her name is Tia Gaines. And Tia serves as both the Director of Educational Strategies for Unify Ed, which Tia, you'll tell us a little bit about that in a minute, and also as an instructional coach at Insight PA Cyber Charter School. And we've invited Tia to come on today to talk about the construct of insular culture. And for this construct uh, in our flourishing school culture instrument that we've done with over 300 schools now, a lot of schools have this as a growth opportunity. And so that's a key reason why uh, we've invited Tia on today to, to talk a little bit about this construct, what some of the strategies that schools are using, what some of the approaches are, and to share some of her work. So to kick us off, uh, Tia, can you share a little bit about your background, your current work related to this, and why this construct is important to you? Sure. I am excited to be here, Lynn. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about this. Um, so I guess there's kind of two things that you said. First, my work at Insight PA Cyber Charter School. I have spent the majority of my career in online education. So while I started in brick and mortar, um, I've been in online education for over 15 years. Uh, right now, in the midst of COVID, uh, hybrid education or online education is kind of um, a very popular thing, but before it was popular, before many people knew what it was, I actually spent a lot of time um, learning the online platform and how to really have good instructional practice in a virtual context. And so um, I started off as a teacher and then a department chair, and now I'm an instructional coach and I work with teachers um, on instructional practices, on pedagogy, on engagement strategies, all very specific to a virtual environment. So that's what I do for my regular job. And then I also, for Unify Ed, am the Director of Educational Strategies, where I really get to kind of take those same skill sets and apply them to um, our, our platform that we have, which is an online platform. And that's really how we're able to help schools and provide resources for them, um, uh, resources for their school. Instead of flying in and doing consulting and, and being there in person, we actually are able to provide a lot of flexibility for schools through the online platform um, and having our resources there for them and for their teachers and school leaders to use. So I'm thrilled about how kind of these two jobs and positions really merge together. Um, and it really helps me when I think through the best ways to support schools. Um, I think having, having the basis of our resources on an online platform is super helpful. So I, I, I hope that that gives a little bit of background kind of on um, what I do uh, in, in those various roles. And then I think the second part of your question, Lynn, um, if you can remind me was. Yeah, so why this particular construct? And thanks for sharing that background because I think uh, it is great for listeners to, to know just the depth of experience that you're bringing to this topic in the educational world. 
But when we look specifically at insular construct, there's the, the insular culture, there's so many things you can talk to you. Why is yeah. this particular construct uh, of importance? Why do you think it is an important thing to talk about? Yeah, well, I think first as an educator, you know, we have uh, the duty of care for our students and we have this burden of really wanting to be mindful that we are caring for all students um, and, and being mindful of that. And then um, certainly as a believer, we want to have a community of belonging in our school and we want students to feel welcomed and we want them to feel like they're a part of a community of belonging. So with the insular culture, it's, it's interesting um, with this construct because I feel like Oftentimes we can easily uh, believe that our experience is the majority experience. You know, if I feel welcomed here and I feel safe and secure, then so must everyone else. And I think one of the things that we're seeing is that we all have blind spots and it's, it's really helpful to be able to take a step back and really assess uh, the school culture to see um, is this an insular culture or do people really actually feel like this is a community of belonging? Does everyone feel welcomed and um, safe and secure in this school setting? Do people feel cared for? Do they feel seen? Do they have a voice? Um, and sometimes we can't on our own just be able to assess that. So it's really helpful to bring in things like climate surveys, um, tools to come in and really give a voice to people who may be more marginalized to give them an opportunity to voice what their experience is. And I've seen that school leaders have sometimes been pretty surprised that um, there are people in their community that they love deeply and care for um, that aren't experiencing the community in the same ways that they are. Yeah, so when we think about that, I love that description of, of creating a community of belonging for all the students that are, are at the school. What does it look like in your experience when you've seen schools that do that well? What does that actually look like? What are some key things that they're doing where they're, they're not only inviting and welcoming, but the students really feel like they belong? Uh, and students from all different, uh, could be cultural, could be racial, could be socioeconomic, all these different backgrounds that students bring, um, they're feeling like they really belong in the school. What does it look like for a school to do this well? Yeah, well, I think, and, and I had mentioned this before, but I think it's so important to start with some type of assessment, some type of survey um, to really collect that data in a way that people feel freed up to be honest about their experience. Because again, we all have our blind spots, we all have our biases, we can't um, we can't enter into the experience of someone else just by ourselves. And so it's really important to give an opportunity for that voice to be heard. And then once we collect that data and kind of see where um, there's areas that need work, what I've seen to be super helpful is um, a consistent pressing in. So um, what I mean by that is sometimes we, you know, schools will call in a professional to do a training, to do a professional development, to do some type of consulting. And um, this is a good first step, I would say, but without some kind of consistency in that, they're not able to get the type of long-term progress that they desire. Um, and, and oftentimes we see just such emotional fatigue um, emotional fatigue from the people that are involved, majority culture, uh, minority culture, 
people just get exhausted by the conversation. And so it's kind of like there's this buildup um, of tension and then it stops and then it's revisited the next year or six months later. You never really fully get over the hump to really enjoy the benefits of all of that hard work and discomfort. And so we need to see something that's more sustainable, something that is ongoing. Um, and when we see that, we see true like progress and growth because it's hard work, but there's not the same type of fatigue because there's also some reward in it. When it's stop, go, stop, go, a flash in the pan, someone comes in, we check the box, we had this for the year. Um, that's different than this is an integrated part of our culture. This is a part of our school community to really have these conversations, to care for all students well, to tackle these hard issues and not shy away from them. If they don't become an integral part of the overall culture and instead become like a one and done um, bullet point thing that happens in the school, um, it really creates fatigue for everyone involved. And so the times that we've seen it to be most successful is when it is consistent, ongoing and sustainable. Oh, that's great. And I'm just curious, you know, because as we're, we're talking, um, you know, this, this conversation, you know, certainly coming from the research, the research is in Christian schools. Uh, and so we, we know that this is a need for Christian schools. I'm, I'm wondering what you think about the importance of doing this well, creating communities of belonging in our Christian schools for, um, for all students that are there. I'm, I'm wondering what you think in terms of it being important for Christian schools. Like, why is it particularly important for believers and for Christian schools to do this well? Yeah, I mean, we know that in our current culture, this is a big conversation, but what drives us as believers has to be God's word. And, you know, the Bible says a lot about God's heart for justice. Um, God's heart for how we love the one another's of scripture, how we love our neighbor. And so when we look at the ways that God has called us and when we, and when we look at what love requires from us in terms of putting others needs before ourselves and, and really having a servant leadership heart, when we look at that, um, we see that our desire to create these types of communities of belonging is really rooted in our love for God and our um, dedication to his word. And so, you know, I've really been reflecting, for example, I've been reflecting on um, Colossians 3, 12 um, a lot this week. And it, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, above all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And as believers, that's the type of unity that we strive for, one that's rooted in God's love. That's amazing. And it, it occurs to me that if Christian schools can, can do this well, that it's, it's, it's an example and an encouragement and a light really to, to a country and a world that's, that's hurting in a lot Absolutely. of these ways. Yeah. Um, one last question. You mentioned um, fatigue as as one yeah. of the challenges, kind of the stop and go. And, and so a lot of schools and, and leaders and students, everyone can get really fatigued if they aren't consistently 
pressing in and and really developing a plan that's based on data and so forth what are it in addition to the fatigue what are some other main challenges that you think schools face in this work um and and sort of as you think through those uh, what are some of the things that you've seen schools do to overcome them yeah um well in terms of a challenge there will always be a contingent that really struggles with the fact that this is something that's talked about and and or addressed I mean, it's sometimes school leaders are surprised by this because they see that it's so gospel centered um, and they really think that their community will wholeheartedly get on board with it. Um, but there is always some small group, um, small but loud group that really has some significant pushback. And um, and that has been oftentimes a struggle for schools to deal with. You know, we believe that this is um, God's heart. We have this duty of care. We want to create a community of belonging, but there is a group of people that feel really strongly against, you know, these um, steps forward or pressing into these topics. How do we navigate that? I think that that's been one of the biggest challenges is that not everyone has buy-in, not everyone is on board. And so um, a couple of things when we talk to school leaders who are really struggling with that, one thing that we, we think is helpful is kind of pointing back to that data. So let the data speak for itself. You know, oftentimes those um, parents or families or teachers are like, there's not a problem. Um, but when you let the data speak for itself, it allows people to see, well, actually not everyone experiences this, the school community in the way that you do. And so being able to point to that um, is helpful. I think uh, a lot of transparency and um, open dialogue is also helpful. Uh, these kind of decisions or moves can't happen like behind closed doors. I think people really need to be walked through um, the process and, and also the why behind it. We often talk about like, what's the why? And for us, the why is really God's word. And so like helping families um, and school communities see our why I think is, is also helpful. But I think as in all things, we have to know and, and that there will sometimes be some pushback, but we have to kind of be steadfast in our pursuit of what um, we believe that God has called us to. And so I would say to schools not to feel discouraged by that, um, to really extend love and grace. Um, it's funny, but I, I guess this is like the educator in me, I, I think of like scaffolding, like we have to scaffold the process for various groups of people. We can't just kind of gung-ho, we're moving forward. Um, some people need um, a process that involves a lot of scaffolding, but our prayer is that everyone will get to a place where they can um, be on board with really pursuing a community of belonging um, with a lot of clear communication, transparency, and really helping people see that this is really rooted in God's, in God's word. Well, Tia, thank you so much for spending just a few minutes today with us sort of unpacking um, what you what the work that you do what you've seen that works regarding this this construct and again you know I you, when you say data you're 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 singing my song uh, <laughs> you know just this is this is a construct that consistently appears um, for for close to three quarters of Christian schools uh, yeah. at, as an area for growth so uh, we really appreciate your taking some time just to share some of your insights today. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Lynn. I've enjoyed my time and, um, and I'm always excited to talk about this topic. Great. Thank you. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us today as well. Please be sure to check the notes on this podcast for additional resources and references related to today's conversation. Podcast notes can always be found on the ACSI blog at blog.acsi.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the blog again at blog.acsi.org, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, rate or review the show and spread the word on social media. Thanks for all that you do to move Christian education forward. 